Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media, here with Bob Scotcha, who is the uh, President and CEO of USA Firmware. But um, he's way more than that in that he is, he probably knows more about firmware than anybody I've, I've come across. How you doing, Bob? I'm good. How are you, Rich? Very good. Thank you very much. Um, so I have a lot of questions related to firmware, but let's set the level right here. What is firmware? Well, firmware, you know, it's evolved in its definition over the years, and it used to be considered more of a, you know, with more in terms of the environment in which it exists. In other words, you know, a small um, lockdown piece of memory. Um, but really, it's evolved over the years. And I like to think of firmware as um, the intersection between engineering, real, real systems, electronics, and software. So you can imagine, for example, let's say um, you have a typical faucet. And in the old days, um, it would be all, me all uh, mechanical in nature. Um, today, you may buy a faucet that's rather highly technical, um, have, has lots of features, um, things like being able to control the amount of water, uh, control the temperature of the water, uh, control the flow rate, um, be able to monitor overall usage. You know, this is pretty cool stuff now that you can can do. And well, what really makes all that possible is firmware. Um, you know, certainly software is involved in terms of telling the firmware what to do. Um, and then there's electronics that can be monitored. But at the end of the day, the firmware is that intersection between the software and the electronics or the hardware. So when you think about firmware, what makes it different from software is the fact that um, firmware and the writer of that firmware needs to have good understanding of at least engineering, and in most cases, electrical engineering to be able to control and monitor um, devices that have electronics. Okay, so you just brought up a very interesting example. So when my faucet doesn't work, do I call the plumber? Or yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for an engineer to fix my faucet. I mean, it, I mean it's it's funny, but it's not funny. It's it, oh, it's, it's a real problem. It's the reality, and I I mean I've talked to a few plumbers about this. <laughs> um, it's it's challenging for them. I you know you have to uh, provide a a simple infrastructure for the let's say the 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 plumber to be able to, you know, let's say maybe he has a diagnostic app so that they can uh, understand what needs to be replaced. So, you know, just like, I mean, if you look at a modern furnace, there's all sorts of electronics in a modern furnace. Um, and what do they do? They replace it at the board level, right? So you still call your plumber, um, but your plumber is going to probably be tooled up with some good diagnostics that uh, make it easier for him or her to be able to uh, diagnose where the issue is from the electronics perspective. If it's plumbing related, you know, okay, great. It's plumbing related, right? And they can they can handle that um, in the more typical fashions. But if it's uh, a really smart faucet or smart anything in the home, um, these days, you know, technicians that are out fixing things, they have to have the infrastructure uh, in place. So my next question, which I, I think you've already answered for me is why is the need for firmware growing so quickly? I guess it's because of all these applications that were not, um, electrified before if, if that's the, the right word um so you know you've already started to see a lot of devices that are now 
containing electronics, but it's not just electronics, it's controlled electronics. Um, and you're only gonna see more and more of that as time goes on. You could imagine just looking around your home, around your office, all sorts of things that are presently not electrified um, that because of technology, because of the costs and price points coming down, that really just about everything you could imagine um, could have some level of, um, I'm gonna say, firmware electronics incorporated into them to be able to monitor them. I, you know, I'm, I'm in an office, I have a window, right? And that window, let's say, um, is left open. I could have a sensor um, that tells me it's left over. I go on vacation as a homeowner. I leave a couple of windows on or I go, you know, with the with my wife and the kids are home and I can monitor the temperature in the house and monitor all sorts of other things to get a sense of, okay, what's going on at home? Um, you know, so that this is this is the reality of, of the future. We're going to have really just about anything other than real, really inexpensive commodity products um, be smart uh, and have and, and to do that requires firmware each and every case. And then when you think about IoT, um, every single device at the end of the line has firmware in it. You know, people keep talking about data and it's the data it's the data age, it very may well be, but that data has to come from somewhere. And the place it comes from is processing through firmware. You brushed over their real culprit. It's the internet of things that is causing the electrification of everything. Right, and in fact, examples I use would require an IoT type of solution, it has to go through the cloud, it has to get your mobile phone. So in each and every case, you're right. It's, a, it's really, in order for it to be truly, um, 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 pervasive, um, it's going to require IoT-based solutions. Okay, so we've made the distinction already between software and firmware. Mm -hmm. um, there are some really great tools to write software and they've come a long way mm -hmm. in the last decade or so. That does not seem to be the case for firmware. A, is, is what I just said accurate? And if, if it is, why is that the case? Why aren't there firmware tools that are advancing like software tools? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and if I miss anything, let me know. But um, so there are tools um, out there. And, and by tools, I want to say that um, if you go back over, let's say, more than 20 years ago, um, and you had to, a firmware effort you, you were undertaking, you really didn't have any help from a, I'm going to say, firmware driver's perspective. Um, nowadays, you know, you, you have a microcontroller and there's already firmware that is at least available in terms of libraries to you. So that let's say you want to talk um, I squared C or SpyBus um, across a, a, a connection point. Um, you may actually have some library um, firmware in there that you can leverage. Uh, but 90% of the time, uh, maybe even more, those are really just there for the purpose of a starting point. The quality, um, and I think most firm engineers will tell you this, is usually pretty poor. Um, you don't want to just use those libraries and put them into production or, or take those libraries and, you know, modify them a little bit here and there. They're really not intended for that. Um, there are some exceptions. Um, there are a couple of um, OEMs, at least one that I'm very aware of that has put in a lot of effort to actually create really high quality drivers. But that required a lot of, you know, uh, R&D and you're paying for that. So if you buy that particular chip, 
you're going to actually pay a lot more than you will for a chip that does not have all that uh, additional um, firmer intellectual property in it. Now, the reason you said the reason, well, I think that ties back into um, firmer in a way is kind of the forgotten child in the middle. Um, you know, you've got electronics, everyone knows what that is, software, everybody knows what that is. And ask the, the, the common person on the street what firmer is, and, and they really won't, certainly won't know what that is yet. It's part and parcel to the overall, let's say, ecosystem of an IoT solution. And in that ecosystem, again, there's software, people get that. There's, there's hardware, people get that. There's mechanics, people get that, but there's this firmer thing in the middle and, and no one really understands what it is, how to use it. I don't. I think that certainly contributes to a lot of the issues we have. Okay, to be clear, I treat all three of my children the same. Just wanna be on record as saying that. Just letting me know that. Are you, <laughs> your, your children's names are firmware <laughs> They are not. And Phil, you're a, a brain. Why doesn't USA Firmware produce tools? Um, so customers come to us and a significant number of them come to us for, for one of two reasons. Either let's say they're a corporation that has a fixed payroll cost and then they have a variable component because their market fluctuates. And so they'll come to us to help with the variable component. You know, one year they may have a lot more coming out of their marketing group in terms of what kind of products they need to develop then the next year and they don't want to go hire um, staff or they don't even have enough managers maybe to be able to manage an endeavor. So they'll come to a company like us, a design, managed design services uh, firm. So in the other type of customer um, that comes to us, um, this is more frequently, are organizations that, you know, need to take their products to the next level. And that's either because of, let's say, competitive pressures or because they're, their end customers are demanding it. And 90, you know, nine out of 10 times, that has a heck of a lot to do with IoT. So let's say you're making a, a product and you know it's primarily mechanical. Maybe over the years, it's had a couple of buttons here and there because maybe it's electromechanical, has a motor in it, or it has a heater in it. Well, now all of a sudden their end customer wants all that data, back to data again, right? They wanna be able to monitor, uh, maybe they have uh, installations around the world and they wanna monitor all that information. So something has to send all that data up to the software, you know, some kind of a software, um, I'm gonna say a server or something like that to be able to do application layer level or what have you, um, analysis, do AI, machine learning, all that kind of fun stuff um, at the top. So as a result, um, companies come to us and they say, look, you know, this isn't our world, you know, we're a mechanical company or we're elect electromechanical company. Um, and now we're being asked by our customers for all this, you know, this firmware stuff and, and more and more electronics and more and more software. And we don't want to, you know, we, we want to stay focused on where we really add value. Um, and that may be, you know, partially the mechanical piece, but it most also, let's say it's the food industry. Okay. Well, maybe that's where they want to focus on on providing a product that um, where where the value proposition is in in the in in the cooking of that of food, right? So they want to be focused on that. They don't want to be focused on this other stuff, right? But they want to make sure that they number one meet their customers' needs, and secondly, um, they are not injuring their brand, right? So they want to be able to come to a firm 
um, that has consultative level services, consultants on staff so that they can develop a product um, that, and that, that has all those IoT capabilities yet um, not, uh, not injure their brand in a sense, if that makes sense. Sure. So with, with all that said, okay, so we said how important firmware is, there's, there's a lack of tools. What yeah. does a developer do to get himself trained to write good firmware? Yeah, that's a big issue. So, and it has not changed. Um, you know, I've been around a while, uh, quite a while. And when I first started, uh, I basically, you know, as an electrical engineer and someone dropped off Carnegie and Ritchie uh, C standard manual um, and said, here, read this and figure out the C stuff. And then so we're going to have you write some firmware. You are uh, clearly not talking to the current generation because that's not how they do things. Well, now they just Google it probably, right? Yeah, not a on point. their phone. Yeah, on their phone, right. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's a similar problem, the similar way in which to solve the problem. You have electrical engineers that come out of college uh, and then if they either want to navigate their career towards firmware or there's a demand within the organization to learn firmware, it's on the job training. I mean, there's no certification. There's no, let's say, appropriate university curriculum um, that prepares you for firmware engineering. The only way, well, the only way to be able to even do that through the universities would be to have um, at least a, a two career, two um, uh, college paths, one being electronics and the other being software or computer science. But even then there's this, there are certain very special attributes to and quote unquote embedded system um, that you still need to pick up on all that. And I, I, you know, I'm not sure where you get that. Maybe there's an embedded systems course you take or two, um, you know, within the electronics realm. Um, but, but my point of the matter is that we, we're going to need more and more, yet we have no real pathway for them other than uh, to learn on the job. Um, and there's a variety of things that need to happen in order to be able to meet the demand. It doesn't really, I mean, it's very similar to issues we've had in the past, right? So, um, you know, electronics um, arrived on the scene in the 40s and 50s. Um, we had Sputnik and the United States freaked out and said, holy cow, we're behind the Soviets. We got to have math. We got to have science. We got to create electrical engineers. And then IBM came out with the first PC and everyone went, holy cow, you know, what are we going to do with this thing? <laughs> and then they're like, okay, well, you know, it's a software based tool. All right, well, let's create this thing called software. Well, now look, you know, we've got thousands upon thousands of software, uh, computer science degrees, um, even certifications. We've got the same kind of capacity for electrical engineering. We had kind of a chance to go there um, back in Y2K, because Y2K for a big a big portion of Y2K is, you know, Ken, I don't know how old the audience is here, but, um, but you know, in 1999, um, there was this kind of uh, fear, well, there was a big fear um, that all heck would break loose because um, products, products um, that had firmware in them uh, used two digits instead of four digits for um, their storage of the, of the year. So it was 99, not 1999. And so once it would go to hopefully 2000, that was impossible. There were only two digits. So as a result, it would go to zero and all heck would break loose. So, you know, so an enormous amount of effort was done at just even at the, uh, at our level or at the um, industrial level to 
get ready for that. I mean, I did it. I remember work, I was working in an instrumentation company and I had to change um, firmware for a variety of products to make sure that it didn't uh, uh, roll over incorrectly. Um, and that was a really big deal at the time. And yet it should have kind of thrown off some red flags about number one, you know, good software practice. Because again, what we're talking about is taking electrical engineers and turning them into firmware engineers. We're not talking about taking software developers and turning them into firmware engineers. So as a Why result- Why do you say that? It would seem to me the obvious path would be to take a software developer and turn them into a firmware engineer. And you're saying an electrical engineer. Why yeah. do you say that? That doesn't seem natural to me. Yeah, because, and, and I'm really glad you asked that question because it's very appropriate. Um, so let's think about this for a minute. So let's say um, uh, we're talking about my faucet again, right? Uh, and my faucet is going to now need to be controlled, right? Um, and monitored with electronics and with um, electromechanical type of devices. So um, if I'm a software developer, um, my background is going to be primarily math and programming, right? Um, that's what I'm going to learn in college. Um, I may not have even the knack for engineer. Okay. I may not really be comfortable with engineering and, and not even have an interest maybe because I wanted to write software. I didn't want to design products. Um, and so what happens is you really need two things. You need to be able to write software and you need to be able to understand engineering and a whole, and a whole just engineering in general, have an engineer's mind as well as understanding electronics, as well as understanding mechanics, right? Or electronics primarily, because electronics is the vehicle by which you get to the mechanics. So you, the issue is you can't just take a software developer and make them a firmer person because they don't have all that um, electrical engineering background. Unfortunately and fortunately, it's actually easy to kind of get up to speed on software. You know, like I said, I had a book. Someone now, they're going to do that online. That's fine. But, um, but boy, I... You know, I wrote some pretty miserable software. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, you know, anyone can create, you know, if then else all day long um, and develop a piece of software that is completely uh, not appropriate for production. Um, so it's it's a dual problem. But the easier path for um, industry is to start with electrical engineers. Because again, you know, you need to kind of have an engineer's mind. If I'm going to go and I'm going to control um, this faucet, um, I need to kind of understand the electronics, right? I mean, it may even need to be and understand the way an electronics behave. I need to be able to read a schematic, right? An electronics schematic and work with the electrical engineer and say, you know what? Um, I, I need, you know, I need these bits um, configured differently or you know, the, the way in which you want me to to control the electronics is kind of problem from the firmer perspective. Is there a way we can think about this a little differently? Those kind of conversations would be being had. The software piece of it is more in terms of good practice and object-oriented um, mechanisms and methodologies and how do you use a real-time operating system or an operating system. Um, so to summarize, it's easier for and for industry to take an electrical engineer and turn that person into a firmware engineer because they already have the understanding of engineering and electronics. And but with the software side, you might write beautiful software, but you don't necessarily know how to control 
a an electronic system and a, you know a faucet is one thing um you know so you can you know you start dealing with high power or things that could hurt someone um then it, then it even becomes more of an issue you don't want to have someone who doesn't understand how to control an electrical system that has a lot of energy um, that could actually harm or hurt somebody. Okay. So with all that said, what's the call to action here? How do we get these people more interested, excited, understanding the need? Um, what do we do? Yeah, well, you know what? You just described basically what we did with software, right? Um, we had to get people excited about the idea of uh, pursuing a software, a computer science degree. Um, and the way we did that was we we went to universities, um, the government got involved um, because I think there were probably individuals that made it very clear that software was the future. So there were programs, there was also a lot of energy put in at the government level in the United States to promote degrees in software. Oh, please um, don't suggest we get the government involved. <laughs> Well, how about this? We just use them to help make sure that they have their that, that they are communicating to the to the to the general community. I don't want them to end up with the thousand dollar light bulb. Yeah, that yeah. Don't get them involved at that level. I, <laughs> I would totally agree with that. But you know, we need a, a megaphone. Is all I'm trying to say. We need a megaphone, um, and we need a sense of urgency. Industry needs to get involved. Media like yourselves, but also media in general. Um, you know, the, the 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 mainstream media needs to, you know, mainstream media over the years has always been talking about, oh, we need more software developers, right? Um, all these different big megaphones need to be active and be making noise about firmware and the need for firmware. And that's just not currently happening. Um, and that, and so, and it's not a whole lot different than, again, how we created a software workforce, how we created an electronics workforce, and we're just not doing it for that only other piece that's always kind of been there, um, um, but maybe not nearly as in demand as it's going to be. Very good. Well, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate you taking the time to educate the audience on this ultra important issue. I appreciate it very much so. It is an important issue and we're hoping to make a difference. Um, that was Bob Scotcha. He is the president and CEO of USA Firmware and I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.